0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه وازواجه ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين اما بعد So the chapter we were discussing is the chapter of Birrul Wali Dil-Mushrik, obeying the non-Muslim parents. And in that chapter, Imam Bukhari Rahimahullah, first thing he mentioned the hadith of Sa'ad ibn Abi waqas, anhu, who says that there are four ayat that were revealed regarding my situations. The second hadith that Imam Bukhari rahimahullah have narrated in this chapter is the hadith of Asma' bint Abi Bakr as-Siddiq radhiallahu ala, who says, atatni ummi ragiba, my mother came to visit me and she was hoping that I would give her something, like help her financially. As we know, Isma'a is the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr As-Siddiq But at that time, his wife had not accepted Islam, the mother of Isma'a So, Isma'a says, once my mother came to visit me And when she came to visit like, she was hoping I will help her, support her financially so Asmaa radiallahu anha right away went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She says, I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Should I give her something? Should I fulfill her wish about me giving her something? And here we can see the strength of their iman. This is a mother who is in need and she wants some support. And the daughter, before doing anything, she asks Rasulullah, what an iman. You know, who will say? Normally in our time, people first thing they will issue the fatwa and then they will say, this should be allowed. And if it is not allowed, then it's wrong. I should be able to do this. But here, Asma'a radiallahu anha'ala, first thing she went and asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And of course, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Naam, yes, sure. Treat her well and do what you can do for her. There is a muhaddith ibn Uyayna. And this is the continuation of the same hadith. Muhaddith ibn Uyayna says, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ فِيهَا لَا يَنْهَاكُمُ اللَّهُ عَنِي الَّذِينَ لَمْ fi فِي الدِّينَ who says that the ayah of Surah Mumtahina ayah number 8 of Surah Mumtahina was revealed regarding the same or similar situation and that says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not stop you from showing kindness and being treating well those الدين, who do not fight you and they are not trying to stop you from following your religion Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always wants us to show kindness to those type of people, regardless of who they are, even if they are mushriks. So from this hadith we see that obedience, and not just obedience, supporting our parents that may not be Muslims, supporting those relatives. And from this you can take, it, take the same ruling that will apply to any of those relatives that may need our support or sharia advises us or recommends us and in some order, in some situations will order us to support those relatives even if they are not Muslims we have to support them and we have to take care of them financially. And just like this hadith is talking about financial support it will also apply to God forbid someone is sick someone needs uh, some uh, physical support even that will be something that Children or relatives who are Muslims Will have to provide it to their non-Muslim relatives The second hadith Imam Bukhari rahimahullah narrated On the authority of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar anhu, Who says raa Umar anhu, ra'a Umar anhu, So in the market someone selling a dress, a robe that, was, that had some silk in it. Siyarat means the thing that has lines in it. So most probably those lines were of silk, the design. All the design was made of silk. So it was one of the very expensive dress that people in Medina had seen being sold in the market. فَقَالَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Umar radiallahu anhu went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and I said, Ya Rasulullah, my suggestion is that you should buy this one. Why? Falbasha yawm al-jum'ah. You should wear it on the day of Jum'ah. Wa iza ja'akal wufud. And when delegations come from outside to meet you, you wear it on that day, on that occasion. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Innama yalbasu ha'dihi mallah khalaqalah. Only those people would wear this or anything like this who have no share in the hereafter. Which means it's not allowed to wear this. Now the next part of the hadith is the surprising part. Rasulullah didn't buy it and he said to Umar radiyallahu only those people would wear it who have no share in the hereafter. Umar radiyallahu anhu says, After some time, someone sent Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa a gift in which there were a lot of these type of dresses. So someone sent a whole package of dresses that were all similar to this one, which means they all have that design in it that is uh, made of silk. فَأَرْسَلَ إِلَىٰ عُمَرَ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sent one of those dresses as a gift to Umar radiyallahu alayhi wa Now Umar radiyallahu alayhi wa sallam looks at it, he ran. He ran to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, "Ya Rasulullah, what is this now? He said, I said, كيف ألبسها وقد قلت فيها ما قلت. How could I wear it? Where is you said about it? Whatever you told me earlier. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, "Inni لم أعطيكها لتلبسها. I didn't give it to you. So for you to wear it. You can sell it. Or you can give it to someone else. Who would wear it. What did Umar. Do with it. Umar. Sent it as a gift. To his brother. That was in Makkah. Because his brother. Wasn't Muslim yet. So in order to establish. That connection. With his brother. This is the part of the hadith for which Imam Bukhari have narrated the hadith that Umar radiallahu sent that very very expensive dress to his brother. There this hadith have been narrated in many books of a hadith and I'm gonna inshallah and read some other wordings also that have been narrated about this narration so that we can understand the full story. But one thing that we see here in this hadith that when Umar radiyallahu anhu said to Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam buy it so that you can wear it on the day of Jum'ah Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not object about that part that no no why would I wear it for the day of Jum'ah he did not object to that and therefore a lot of muhaddisin under this hadith have explained that we should always try to have a good dress for the day of Jummah. And there will be more hadiths about this that I will, inshallah, mention later. Also, when you are having guests, especially special guests, wufood, when delegations come, he said, Ya Rasulullah, wear it for that also. And Prophet had no objection about that. That simply means that, okay, for these type of occasions, it's good to wear some good dress. The same hadith is narrated in Sahih al Bukhari, in which there is an addition word, additional word, Ra'a Umar radiallahu anhu hullatan si'ara'a in the al Masjid. Umar radiyallahu anhu saw that dress was being sold by the door of the Masjid, which tells us that if someone stands outside of the door of the Masjid and is selling something, nothing wrong with it. But selling and buying inside the Masjid is not allowed. In another narration, which is in Sahih Muslim, is more detailed and I'm going to just narrate it so that we can have more detail of this hadith. And at the same time it will give us an understanding that when we have a hadith, we should always look for all the different narrations about that same incident. So we can have different words narrated by different Sahaba Ridwanullah al-Majba'een and different narrators so we can get a, a more comprehensive picture of what is happening there. Because when I read this hadith, I have a question in mind. I don't know if everyone else has that question or someone has that question, but you will see what my question is. And really, when we read it the first time, right away you get that question in mind. We will see what that question is later, inshallah. You can think about it. In this hadith of Sahih Muslim, Abdullah ibn Umar says, Umar saw a sahabi whose name was al-Tamimi. He was selling that dress. Where did he get it from? He was a man who used to go to the r- rulers of the world. And he used to sell and buy things from them. And sometimes they used to give him gifts also. In a, there is another narration in the tabrani in which it says, that Kisra, the king of the Persian Empire, he gave it to Uttarat radiallahu anhu as a gift. So from that we can see the value of this dress that must have been very expensive dress if Kisra was wearing this dress. So Umar radiallahu then it continues. Umar radiallahu went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, this is what I have been uh, i have seen being sold outside if uh you would buy it. فلما كان بعد ذ- بعد ذلك أُتي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بحُلل سيراء. Oh, after some time Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam received the similar type of dresses as gift. So he sent one this hadith of Sahih Muslim tells us fa ba'atha ila Umar bi hullatin wa ba'atha ila Usama ibn Zayd bi He sent one to Umar radiyallahu anhu one to Usama ibn Zayd the son of Zayd عنه, who was like the grandson to Rasulullah and he sent one to Ali ibn Abi Talib when he sent to Ali عنه, he sent the message with it that cut it into pieces and make the scarf for, your, for, for the women of the house so make scarves out of it For the women of the house So this is Ali radiyallahu knew What to do with it When Umar radiyallahu received it As we heard In the previous hadith That he went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam And he said Ya Rasulullah You stopped me from buying it for you, Or you told me that you won't buy it And you won't wear it And now you sent it to me Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Told him that You can use it in a different way Usama ibn Zayd didn't know about it. So when he received it, he wore it and he went to the masjid. Now the hadith says, Prophet gave him a look. It's very close to Prophet. That look told him everything. Prophet didn't have to say a word. He just gave him that look. So Usama couldn't understand. He knew. And this is why Rasulullah didn't tell him anything, and he didn't tell Umar anything. Omar, he had already told him earlier that man cannot wear this. And Usama also knew Prophet knew about it. This is why he gave him a look. You're wearing this. So Usama radiallahu said, Ya biha you are giving me that look, Ya Rasulullah. I know it's telling me that you're upset because I'm wearing this. But you you send it to me. This is why I'm wearing it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I didn't send it to you for you to wear it. I sent it to you so that you can make a scarf for your for the women in the house. So it's not for you it's for your family in the hadith which is in sunan al-kubra by imam nasa'i rahimahullah utarat bin hajib when he came to rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and rasulullah sallallahu alayhi umar ﷺ, saw him selling it he said ala لَكَ يَا ya اللَّهُ should i buy this dress for you ya rasulullah so now we see Umar radiyallahu anhu when he went to offer Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam this was the question in my mind I said Umar radiyallahu anhu when he saw it why is he saying you buy it if I like it for you I will buy it for you so from this now we can see Umar radiyallahu said ya Rasulullah I see the type of dress being sold out there you should get it ya Rasulullah should I buy it for you and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam that he gave him that response, that no, we shouldn't write. And then Rasulullah sallallahu while he was sitting, the same Sahabi Utarat came and he said, "Ya Rasulullah, take it as a gift." So he came and he gave it to Rasulullah sallallahu as a gift also. So he was trying to sell it when he realized that Umar has intention to buy it for Rasulullah he thought instead of someone else who would buy it, would buy it and give it to Prophet وسلم, I would just go and give it to him as a gift so instead of then selling it he just went and he gave it to Rasulullah anyway the point here is that Rasulullah told give one to Umar and Umar sent it to his brother now we see a ruling here One ruling that we learned from another hadith: Things that are haram for us to use is not allowed to buy and sell. Like pork, alcohol, anything that is of that category. From this we can see that these type of things that some Muslims are allowed to use. See pork and alcohol and those type of things no Muslim is allowed to use. But things like silk where men is not allowed to use but women are allowed to use same thing gold men are not allowed to use women are allowed to use so those type of things if a man would sell that type of thing is allowed if he would sell it he will have it he will own it he will give it as a gift then there is nothing wrong with it this is what we learned from this hadith also as we said rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when umar radiAllahu went to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said ya rasulullah buy it for the Jum'ahs. and this is a forgotten sunnah especially in our time maybe a forgotten sunnah a sunnah that many times we don't pay attention to and that is having a good dress for the day of Jum'ah there is a hadith in Sunan Ibn Majah and Sahih Ibn Habban with an authentic isnad. Aisha radiallahu anha says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawm once on the day of Jum'ah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was giving the khutbah فراا عليهم ثياب النمار he saw some of them wearing a dress that was made of wool which means the skin of the animal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi said ma ala ahadikum in wajada sa'atan an yattakhidha thawbayn li jumu'atihi siwa thawbi mihnatihi how come if you can afford it you don't keep two new sheets which mean a new dress for you to wear on the day of Jum'ah other than your work dress other than your work clothing. siwa thawbi mihnati which means it has to be not the work dress something different than that something that you keep for the day of Jum'ah a nice dress that you wear for the day of Jum'ah. And Abdullah ibn salam رضي الله عنه, says I heard Rasulullah sallam saying from the member مَا عَلَىٰ أَحَدِكُمْ لَوْ اشْتَرَىٰ ثَوْبَيْنِ لِيَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ سِوَىٰ ثَوْبِ مِهْنَتِهِ That what's wrong if you people will buy a new dress, a nice dress for the day of Jum'ah that will be different than your normal work dress. In a hadith which is in Surah Nabi Dawood in which Rasulullah mentioned the special rewards that a person can obtain on the day of Jum'ah, he said مَنِغْتَسَلَ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ A person who would take a shower on the day of 'ah. Jum'ah. And he would wear the best dress that he has. Which means very nice dress for the day of Jum'ah. And then, And he uses perfume also. And then the Hadith continues, mentions other sunnahs of the day of Jum'ah. Which tells us that it is important for us to make sure that on the day of Juma we wear some nice dress for the day of Juma, Just like we get ready for Eid, we need to have similar or at least something on, that, uh, on the same line for the day of Jum'ah also to show that this is also our Eid for the people of Iman. The next chapter is about that no one should curse at his own parents or talk back to his parents. The hadith that we will read in this chapter, mainly we have them covered previously also. Uh, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Asr says, One of the major sins is a person to curse uh, for a person to curse at his own parents. فَقَالُوا كَيْفَ That the Sahaba said, ya Rasulullah, how would a person curse at his own parents? Rasulullah said, If he would curse at other people's parents, they will curse at his own parents, at his mother and father. He became the cause for them to curse at his parents, and therefore he will get the sin as if he was the one who was cursing at his own parents. And we had this hadith before. Another hadith. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Asr said, Rasulullah said, من الكبائر عند اللَّهِ أَنْ يَسْتَسِبَّ الرَّجُلُ لِوَالِدِهِ One of the most major sins in Islam that a person becomes a cause for others to cut his, to curse at his parents. This is one of the very major sins in Islam. The next chapter is about باب al Walidain. The sin for a person receives for disobeying the parents. The hadith is narrated on the authority of Sayyidina Abu Bakrah This is not Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, it's not Abu Bakrah radiallahu anhu who says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said There is no sin that would bring a punishment very soon before even the hereafter in this world the person will receive the punishment for it more than as the oppression and breaking the relationship there is no sin worse than these that can bring a bad results for a person in this world also which means these these two are a type of sins that before a person will receive the punishment in the hereafter he will see the punishment for them in this dunya also. And one of them is breaking the relations. This is not just parents. This is any relation. Keeping our relation with relatives is one of the faraid of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who join what Allah has ordered to be joined and Joining the relationship is one of the things that Allah has ordered us to join. Just like Bani Bani La So joining the relationship is something that has been ordered in, in Sharia. In another hadith narrated by Imran ibn Hussain, Radiallahu anhu, And it's an amazing hadith. Of course other hadiths give us that message. And the ayat of the Quran that we already talked about in the previous sessions, they give us the exact same message, but the method of delivery of the message in this hadith is different. And from this we can also understand it's very important to have different methods of explaining how Rasulullah using different ways of explaining the same thing and the same ruling. So how is he explaining this ruling of how bad of a sin this is? And this is can, uh, so that we can understand it's one of the very major sins of Islam to disobey our parents. Rasulullah wasallam asked the sahaba, You know, we will be really scared to present it in this manner. He said, What do you people say about adultery, drinking alcohol, and Theft. What do you say about these three things? They said, Ya Rasulullah, Allah wa Rasoolahu alam. We can't say anything about it. Allah and His Messenger know the best. This is out of respect that He must have something in mind that He wants to tell us about these things. Rasulullah said, Hunna al-fawahish These are obscenities, these are shameless acts. And there is punishment that Sharia has assigned for them, from which you can understand that it's, these are major sins. There is, there is punishment also that Sharia has assigned for these sins. And look at these sins that Prophet have named here. That he's talking about uh, adultery, he's talking about drinking alcohol, he's talking about stealing. Then the Rasulullah said, أَلَا بِأَكْبَرِ الْكَبَائِرِ Should I inform you of the sins that are more major than these sins? The Rasulullah. Sure, tell us what are those? He said, Associating partner with Allah وعقوب الوالدين And disobeying turns. Look how he's presenting. The ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that Tells us the same thing That right after Tawheed Is obedience to parents And then Same thing where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Tells us That That do not Associate any partner With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And do not Disobey your parents So those ayat Are clear about it But here Rasulullah Now he's bringing comparison because when it comes to disobeying parents, generally people take it light. But if someone is involved, God forbid, God forbid in any of these sins, you see someone is stealing. Everyone will look down at that person. The whole society will look down at that person, you know, or someone, God forbid, is drunk. Someone, God forbid, is involved in adultery. How everyone will look at those people. Now here, Prophet wasallam says, disobeying parents is worse than all of these three sins? And there are certain sins that generally we take them very lightly. We take them very lightly. But when we look into the Quran and the Hadith, we realize that they are worse than the sins for which we may be looking down at others. So in the sight of Allah, in Allah's records, there is someone who wal-ayazu involved in drinking alcohol or any of the other sins. And then there is another person who is disobedient to the parents. And he of course looks at that person, look how bad that person is. He's involved in that sin. In Allah's record, he is worse of the two. He's worse of the two people. But according to his understanding, he may be very religious, very pious, very good Muslim. Then how he looks at himself. And this is why he's looking down at another the person there. But according to Allah's record, he's in a worse, worse situation than that person. Another example of it. Rasulullah wasallam, when he talked about ghibah, and more hadith will come about this topic later on in this book. Rasulullah said, al min zina Backbiting is worse than zina. Now there is a person may Allah protect, involved in that type of sin, zina, and there is another person who talks about him. He's talking about this man who's involved in zina. According to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's books, this is worse of the two people. That person is involved in the act, and this person is talking about him because he, according to his understanding, is pious. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He's worse of the two. And this is something may Allah protect, but we take it so lightly that this sin, which is even worse than zina, we may even commit it in the masjid. We may be standing in the masjid and doing it. In the house of Allah. We may be sitting in a religious gathering and we may be doing that sin. That is, According to Prophet is worse than sin. So we need to understand these in the light of the Quran and the Sunnah, not according to our culture and our understanding. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So he mentioned these two things, and then the Sahabi says Wakana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was uh, leaning against something, he was declining, and he said up. وَقَالَ وَالزُّورُ And he said, and lying, and lying. So these three, he mentioned, these three sins as worse than those three. Shirk, disobedience to parents, and lying. Worse than zina, shurb al-khamar, and sariqa. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from all of these sins. And maybe I mentioned earlier also, when we get these hadith, it always reminds me the importance of studying a book about Al-Kabair in Islam. So that we know what are the major sins in Islam. Mostly, we have our own understanding of what are major sins. And generally, we look at those sins that we are not involved in and we consider those to be the major ones. But, there could be some of those that we are involved in and according to Quran and their Hadith, they are the major sins. Imam Dhahabi Rahmahir Rahimahullah's book is the best on this, uh, in, in, in this topic, Al-Kabair, that talks about the major sins in Islam. Inshallah, if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will allow us to continue these, maybe after this we will talk about, we'll take that book also. But meanwhile, if anyone has an opportunity to read it, it will be good to read the Hadith from Al-Kabair in Islam as we see here, that there are certain sins that we may not consider them too bad, but they are worse than shirk, they are, they, they are, they are uh, worse than zina, they are worse than drinking alcohol, and they are worse than stealing. May Allah protect us from all of those and all the major sins and minor sins. And just as a reminder, as all the, many of the seen when they talked about, discussed uh, sins, they say, a person who is involved in minor sin, but he keeps on committing it constantly, that minor sin becomes a major sin. So even a minor sin as a habit becomes a major sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And Allah wa ta'ala ala fayhi khalqih, Sayyidina wa habibina wa nabiyina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil alameen.